0: At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855 1 Hour or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time, or you
1: don't
0: pay Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. is up hockey fans this is the golden edge podcast the podcast where the las vegas review journal tries to talk about hockey but frankly other stuff keeps getting in the way so there's going to be some hockey talk this episode just like last week but also a lot of other stuff because there's a lot of things kind of hanging around the golden knights right now and uh, we're going to get into all of that i am ben goats one of your review journal golden knights beat writers Joined, as always, on the other line by my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how's it going, man? Well, I was
1: looking forward to talking about the town crier for a half an hour, and I don't think we're going to be able to do that. So, you know, a little bummed out, I guess you could say. But, you know, we're, we're here for the listeners. We'll plug on. We'll uh, we'll chat about some,
0: uh, some COVID instead. Yeah, I do still want to circle back to uh, the Silver Knights town crier. That was debuted last weekend because now there are two professional hockey teams playing in Las Vegas right now. The Silver Knights began their season. Uh, But yeah, as you kind of hinted at, Dave, that's kind of not top of mind right now. And obviously, I think a lot of people wish that it was because there'd be a lot of fun things to talk about there. But since we last recorded last week, a lot of things off the ice or I guess kind of ice adjacent has have happened with the Golden Knights. Uh, before we get into all that, I want to remind everyone uh, that this podcast is sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. Uh, also, make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. And if you guys could rate review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. It would be very much appreciated. Uh, so, the last time we recorded, the Knights hadn't played hockey in a while because they took a, a week long pause uh, because of COVID 19. Now, uh, that they've been back. They've gone 3-0 and since uh, Friday, I believe. And as I previously mentioned, the Silver Knights also started their season. And they are 2-0 and with two victories against the Ontario Reign, the affiliate of the Los Angeles Kings. 2019 first-round pick Peyton Krebs had four points in those two wins. So he's off to a really good start to his pro career. Uh, but everything, of course, went sideways uh, on Tuesday, yesterday, as we're recording this, just as we are getting... Ready to kind of prep the show and you know have a lot of potentially interesting hockey topics. Now the number one topic uh, is not hockey. It is, as Dave kind of hinted at, COVID nineteen uh, to set the scene for what happened yesterday, Tuesday specifically. The Knights playing the Anaheim Ducks. They were leading four one at T Mobile Arena, entering the third period before they coughed up the lead in the first half of the frame. Uh, defenseman Zach Whitecloud ended up coming to the rescue with his second ever regular season goal. The Knights won 5-4 to improve to 8-1-1 on the season. That's the best start in team history. So I think, you know, like a lot of people, we are intrigued to talk to the team about the win and how they managed to rally again after losing the lead. Instead, we got an email in our inbox, in the press box, saying post-game media availability was canceled because of the NHL's COVID-19 protocols And obviously because of the fact that the team just went on a week-long hiatus because of COVID-19, that's certainly raised some eyebrows. So what we know so far, uh, the Knights had a positive test pop-up during the game, and forward Tomas Nosek was removed between the second and third periods. He is now self-isolating. The game still went on with the teammates that uh, Nosek was on the bench with, and the opponents he, of course, skated against on the ice, still going at it. Uh, So far today, Wednesday, no additional Knights players besides Nosek or any Ducks players have appeared on the NHL's list of players unable to practice or play because of the COVID-19 protocols. Uh, The game Thursday against the Ducks tomorrow is still slated to go on as scheduled. Uh, Players and coaches are going to be tested twice tomorrow, once in the morning, as per usual, and then again via a rapid test that they'll get the results back much quicker for. So there's a lot going on. Uh, Just Dave overall what do you kind of make of what's been going on here Uh, obviously we've had the, the the knights have postponed three games in this season already one against the blues two against the sharks uh why do we think those games were moved back well you know obviously tomorrow's is still on the schedule yeah i don't know gong show i mean that's what comes to mind like i'm trying to
1: i'm trying to keep my opinion out of this and uh like I'll be really frank, I was kind of told by an uh, NHL official that maybe my opinion was was clouding some of my questions. Um, so you know, I'm I'm doing my best not to look at this, I guess, from you know any sort of slanted point of view. But it's a little bit hard not to when you just don't understand like all of the protocols, and you read it, and what a you know a high risk close contact you know, excuse me, qualifies as, I mean, like you're sitting on a bench with these guys and the game goes on. Like, here's the thing. We listened to, to ducks coach Dallas Eakins today. And, and he talked about a lot of his faith, you know, in the NHL and sort of almost kind of behind the scenes knowledge that he has, He, he, which I think we're not privy to. And maybe that's the most frustrating thing about a lot of this is just the lack of transparency, that the NHL seems to to be presenting, like okay, we we know that NoSIC tested positive. They disclosed that. They disclosed that the game is gone. But we don't know anything about like what this testing protocol is, why this is happening, whether you know whether this is a, I guess, for, uh, like a, for lack of a better word, a loophole in the system that needs to get plugged, a flaw that needs to get rectified, however you want to say it. But there's just a lot of unanswered questions, and then you go back and compare with you know, what happened during, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago with Petrangelo testing uh, positive apparently, and at least one coach as well with three in total entering the protocol. And, and you kind of compare, they they shut everything down then, they plug on now. I mean, again, you, you want to have faith that they're doing the right thing. Uh, but, you know, just from a human perspective, it's it's tough to look at this and, and I guess maybe reconcile that, you know, they're, they're just going to truck on, continue to play. And I mean, essentially cross their fingers that it didn't spread or that nothing's going to pop up and they're not going to have a situation like they have in a
0: Buffalo, Buffalo, New Jersey right now. Yeah. I want to get to that real quick, but I mean, as you mentioned, like obviously we're not doctors, we're not medical experts, but uh, certainly obviously a lot of, people kind of involved in the decision making process aren't necessarily either. The NHL does have obviously medical personnel that are advising them on these decisions. Um but like obviously like, you know, there's only so much coaches and players can know and so you wonder how much they do know and when they know it and all that stuff. Obviously something that jumped out to me was that the you know, Anaheim players and coaches didn't know that Nosick tested positive. Until after the game. And so if I'm uh, Bob Murray, the Ducks general manager, uh, I'm really going to the league and looking for answers there as to how that positive test was discovered in the middle of the game. And then the fact that the game was allowed to continue. And certainly I want those answers if I'm, you know, a Ducks player or coach, too, because obviously, you know, everyone to some extent is putting themselves at risk playing this season and obviously players signed up for that they were allowed to opt out if they wanted to. But the fact that uh, that wasn't kind of made apparent until after the fact I think has to be frustrating for a lot of them because as you were hinting at there, Dave, there has been, you know not uh, f- firm hard evidence but some circumstantial evidence that this virus might be able to be spread uh, during games or at least during interactions, between teams, we saw uh, Buffalo and New Jersey played, and New Jersey had, I believe, at least one player on the NHL's COVID 19 protocol list, those unable to practice or play. Uh, they played each other once, a player showed up on that list, they played each other again. All of a sudden, a couple days later, uh, the Devils, I think, got up to as many as 17 players on that list. And a few days later, guess who all of a sudden also had a bunch of players pop up on that list? Buffalo. And we saw something similar play out uh, with Minnesota and Colorado, too, where uh, Minnesota played Colorado, had one player on the COVID-19 list, and I believe it was Marcus Foligno. And then a couple days later, I think now the Wild are up to 13 players on the list, and their season was paused. And then the Avalanche had a couple players pop up there, too, and their season was paused as well. So that's obviously, like I said, there's no firm, hard evidence uh, tying Those two things together, but it certainly seems like an awfully big coincidence that the Devils started having people appear on the list, played Buffalo, and then all of a sudden Buffalo had people appear. And then same thing obviously happened between uh, Minnesota and Colorado. And so obviously if I'm the Ducks, I'm concerned and asking for answers right now to make sure that that thing, that same thing doesn't also happen uh, in that locker room and to that team. I mean, we say that and I agree with you and yet we hear
1: what Dallas Eakins said and we heard what defenseman Hampus Lindholm said today. And I mean, look, like I don't think they're going to go up and bash the league. Obviously, those are, you know, players that that know how to handle the situation uh, in an interview. And, you know, I'll say, I mean, like we we were commenting kind of, you know, between a few of us, like just like I personally thought Dallas Eakins handled it phenomenally. Um I was surprised he kind of leaked the uh, the fact that the Golden Knights had a had a positive test. I don't know if the NHL was prepared uh, to say specifically that Tomasz Nosek uh, had a positive test as opposed to maybe doing what they did last time and saying, you know, that they have a player on protocol and just letting it kind of stand on its own. And the mystery of, you know, the five things that it could be, um, but... You know they they didn't seem worried about it, and and Lindholm, and and again, I'm not going to put this on. I don't I don't want to say he sounded you know he wasn't playing doctor, but certainly it sounds like the players have been told or made aware that you know the in-game transmission is unlikely. I think he expressed you know his level of concern being extremely low. Um, so it's just it's kind of an interesting. I guess juxtaposition, I guess, if you're going to say, you know, like how we are talking about the concern and like, how are they doing this? How can you not stop the game? You know, how, how are you just trucking on and, and, and going about this, like nothing happened or whatever. And, and they're back there behind the scenes either talking to the NHL, talking to the doctors, talking to the experts and being told enough to, to assuage their concerns because you know, as far as them playing Thursday, as far as you know, you know, anything as you know, along those lines, Dallas Eakins and and Hampus Lindholm, at least from the the Ducks' side of things, didn't didn't let on that there was any any worry from
0: from their locker room. No, that's very true, and obviously we'll have to see uh, if they're justified in not having worries moving forward here, because obviously it's probably going to take a few days to kind of sort out uh, whether you know, that positive test uh, did or did not ultimately have an effect on both teams. Uh, you know, but more to, I guess, kind of the, the larger perspective, uh, you know, we mentioned the, the Buffalo, Colorado, Minnesota, and New Jersey uh, pauses so far. Philadelphia is also on pause. Uh, Dallas, as we've, I think, talked about on the show previously, had the start to uh, its season season. Delayed because of, I believe, uh, at one point they had uh, 17 players uh, get sick with COVID-19. Carolina also had four games postponed earlier this year. I think we touched on it last week, but, I mean, how dicey do you think things are getting for the league right now in terms of kind of the, feels like the constant um, news surrounding off-ice things and how it's handling things? Um, And... Are we going to see more changes to what the COVID-19 protocols are on the horizon? We already had a bunch of additions, I believe uh, six days ago, they added kind of four measures to try to increase safety. I would have to think they're going to look at uh, adding more. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, at this point, they have to.
1: It, maybe it's a little unfair. Maybe it's a little bit of apples and oranges to, to start comparing the NHL to what you know, whatever happened with the NFL. And why the NFL was able to get all of its games in? Certainly, it's a different format. It's a different situation when they're playing, you know, games once a week, as opposed to, you know, the NHL, which is you know three and four uh, games a week sometimes in, in an enclosed arena, close quarters, you know, locker room tight, you know, tight fits, and all those sorts of things that that are just sort of part of hockey culture that are different but i look at the nba and and you don't really see a whole lot and then you just you you see the nhl and it's like what's going on why is it is it spreading you know from team to team is it spreading from you know player to player in a locker room are they mingling outside in the general public and getting it at the restaurant the supermarket you know the the general day-to-day things that that really you go about and you do everything you can to prevent it and sometimes it's just not enough. Uh it, you know, you just you don't know where it's coming from in, in that regard. So, yeah, I think the NHL has to has to make some kind of changes. I think there were some whispers as far as, you know, maybe testing, you know, family members and things like that. I don't know where the NHLPA, you know, is going to stand on that if that has to be separately negotiated. Um uh, but I don't think they can continue with what they're doing, and maybe I'll turn this to you and ask you a little bit. I'll be the first to admit I, I try to distance myself from this, and and for the last you know eleven months, obviously my job requires a certain amount of knowledge. But myself as a person, for a lot of my mental health, you know, I try not to immerse myself in it a lot. But if we're really going to start looking at this and and examine like the testing routine. And we talked about the, you know, you mentioned the Golden Knights and the Ducks are going to undergo rapid testing, you know, as well as, you know, whatever PCR testing format that they are usually administered. I mean, I guess my question is like, well, why the bleep aren't you doing that before? Like, why aren't you doing that now? And if that prevents test results coming back in the middle of the game, that seems to be like step one to have the season, like almost like you can't do it without that. So in some regard, I'm sort of baffled, I guess, why this was all set up as to having a system where results can come back during the game. Like That just seems to be a speed bump and a problem right from the start. And, and it's frustrating because I haven't
0: been able to get a good answer for it. At one Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-ONE-HOUR or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time, oh, you don't
1: pay time.
0: Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. From what I understand from, you know, all the research I've done, the thing with rapid tests, of course, obviously one they're expensive and two, they're relatively, you know, trickier to find. There's not as huge of a market. So I assume it'd be a little bit trickier for the NHL to secure, you know, the volume that they would need to do it for every single game for every team. But obviously, you know, as you're kind of hinting at, we're getting to the point where, you know, it doesn't really matter what's ideal and, you know, kind of what's not for maybe the NHL's bottom line. They just gotta figure out. A way to keep, you know, the season going, if that's their ultimate goal, and that certainly feels like that would be something that uh, both they and the players' association would be able to agree is probably in their best interests if they can secure those tests and start doing them. So, I would have to think that uh, if they were, you know, already considering it uh, before, which I believe uh, TSN and the Athletic have both reported that that's something that they're uh, considering. Right now, I'm sure that those talks are only going to intensify. And then also, I want to circle back, I mean, to your kind of point, Dave, comparing the NHL to other leagues. Uh, today, the NBA basically said uh, one player out of the last 470 that have been tested in the last week has tested positive for COVID-19. You know, one player. And, you know, the NBA is also not playing in a bubble. Its teams are traveling. Its actually teams are actually traveling more than the NHL, which is at least doing kind of the two game sets, at least in the US uh, primarily. So clearly there's something that's working there that the NHL can learn from. Now, there are certain things that are just, uh, you know, impossible for the NHL to overcome. You mentioned the bench. I mean, the fact that NHL players basically sit shoulder to shoulder next to each other on the ice for approximately 40 minutes of a 60 minute game is just. Obviously, it's really tough to uh, overcome that if you're worried about spread. Whereas even on NBA teams, they can uh, social, you know, distance on their bench or even in the first couple rows of the stands because they only sub in and out during stoppages of play. Whereas the NHL, you're you know changing on the fly and stuff like that. It's part of what uh, normally makes hockey really exciting. Uh, but obviously, it's kind of operating to its. Detriment from you know maybe a health and safety standpoint a little bit right now. I was talking to a friend who covers baseball about this too. Whereas obviously baseball it's outdoors compared to the NHL and players you know were wearing masks both uh you know in the dugout on the bench and then in the field when they were playing defense. I mean, that's just something you can't do in the NHL. So there are already kind of things that are working against the league that way, and I think that's showing through a little bit, but. You know, as you pointed out, like there's also things that the league clearly could do better. And I would assume rapid testing might be one of them that we hear about pretty soon.
1: Sort of my my response to it is like tough noogies. If it costs you money like, oh, well, you're not going to have a season unless you, you know, figure this out. So if it, you're going to get your money down the road, I mean, Gary Bettman made all his financial arguments, you know, during the offseason, all this stuff. So like if it costs him out of pocket, like I'm sorry. If you need to do it, do it. It's just it's funny too because here's the other thing we, you know, right now they're the they're the punching bag. They're the one that everybody can look at and beat up on. And oh, they can't get a hold of their you know the 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 coronavirus and COVID issues all over the place, and their plan stinks and blah blah blah. And and it's funny because what five six months ago or whatever they were the model league. You know their bubble, they pulled it off. No positive tests. They got everything done. You know, no issue. Everybody's, you know, praising the NHL. So it's just kind of funny how, you know, you think you have a grip on it and you come into next season and how quickly quickly things change.
0: Well, it's really funny, too, because, you know, we obviously are kind of uh, being critical of the league a lot here. And I think justifiably so. But even the NHL itself has shown that it kind of knows how to do it, just not in the United States, the Canadian teams are doing just fine. The Canadian teams, I believe, have not had any postponements yet. Uh, Actually, as we're recording this, watching Montreal and Toronto, the top two teams in the uh, quote-unquote North division, play right now. And uh, for the most part, I think the Canadian division has been very entertaining to watch. So uh, the NHL has a model of how even its own sport can work, but either it doesn't want to necessarily subject the U.S. teams to the same rules. Obviously, there are so many laws and kind of regulations in place just from the government level that are different. But, I mean, I would have to think at some point the NHL might have to, you know, even if uh, maybe U.S. states and governments are not requiring it, uh, puts kind of some of the same restrictions that the Canadian teams have on their players because clearly something's working there. Now, maybe it's obviously just the environment too, up in Canada and I haven't done enough research in terms of the rates and stuff, but there is a model for success in the sport. Uh, and the NHL doesn't have to look that hard for it, I think. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think, you know, we might see some things. I, I think I saw something in terms of, you know, maybe it, it comes to where players are, I guess, restricted or restrict themselves to the home and the rink and that's it. And if somebody has got to go shopping for you or do, you know, do whatever, uh, you, you got to make some kind of arrangements or, or whatever. Uh, I don't know if we'll see that. I don't know how far they'll go, but you know, again, they, they can't, they can't continue on with this. And, uh, you know, I mean, as far as the U S Canada thing, I feel like I, I almost feel like there's some like political undertones to, to that discussion that I don't necessarily, you know, want to jump into. Uh, But yeah, it it seems to be working up there and, you know, down here in the, I guess the lower 48 uh, it's, it's clearly not working as well. And, and, if they, if they don't get a handle on it, uh, to
0: use the wildfire analogy, I mean, it's just it's going to burn out of control. Yeah, we'll have to see definitely more questions than answers right now as we've kind of hinted at a lot. So we'll see what we can learn in the coming days, both from the Knights themselves and from the league, if we get any follow-up from them. We'll see. Uh We'll close out the podcast, of course, trying to uh, switch to a different topic because we know obviously – Some of this stuff isn't that fun to probably listen to or hear people discuss, but obviously we think it's important because it's potentially going to impact the rest of the entire hockey season. But uh, let's dig into the Silver Knights a little bit because they did have their first two games uh, happen, and they won both of them uh, against the Ontario Reign. As I said, uh, Peyton Krebs was kind of the star, especially of the second game, but they've been getting contributions Up and down the lineup, they have, I believe it's 11 goals in their first two games. So they have been scoring in bunches. Uh, I got to go to the first game there at Orleans Arena. It was a pretty cool setup, kind of like a mini T-Mobile Arena in a lot of ways. They had the towels kind of over the seats, just like they have at T-Mobile Arena. They have kind of all the different AHL banners up uh, in the rafters, just like the Knights do with all the different NHL teams, the kind of in-game presentation is very similar in a lot of ways in terms of the musical cues the scoreboard cues stuff like that uh but the biggest thing they added Dave and you hinted at it was the town crier that announces the goals uh declaring usually in some sort of fashion goals scored by let's say uh Lord Peyton Krebs of house henderson uh look this up on uh, my social media at bennis coats or the obviously the silver knights have posted it as well if you want to check out exactly how this goes i'm not gonna uh do the voice right now but uh just day what, what overall were your uh thoughts on uh the extraness that the golden knights have displayed for uh now going on four seasons trickling down into the american hockey league
1: oh come on you're a thespian you should do the voice Ah, boo! <laughs> no, I, okay. I've like, first off, it's minor league hockey. I love it. Like, that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. I don't know if you. I don't think you're around when you know, like the Wranglers were here. I mean, I went to a midnight game. I went to one other game. Like, it's minor league hockey. It's supposed to be goofy and different and and kind of kitschy. It, that's the whole thing. Some teams are really good at it, and some teams can't pull it off. <laughs> I don't. I mean. I said this on a, on a radio show. Like uh, in in some ways, I feel like they have the perfect setup with the town crier because everybody got to see it, and now they got they know what to expect, and they're going to wait for it. If if uh, what's his name Harold, I think is his name, right, which <laughs> yeah. I think is kind of brilliant too. Um, but if Harold had walked down with a whole you know six thousand fans in there or whatever and just blown his bugle in somebody's ear everybody would have looked around like what in the heck is going on but now they see it and they've kind of been like slowly introduced to it so if and when you know fans are able to come back this year or certainly next year hopefully cross fingers everything will be you know close to normal at that point everybody's just you know as soon as I go everybody's going to turn and and wait for Harold to blow that bugle he's got to get something with that spit valve though I think right like, I'm gonna give him credit. I think he's got the breath. I think it was just, you know, a little of the spit valve issue in the uh, in the old bugle there that made it kind of kind of not quite toot as well. I think as I think he probably would have liked.
0: Yeah, a couple different times. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And it's one of those things where obviously there's been tons of times uh, so far this season where you kind of you know miss the energy that uh, fans bring to a building or a game or all that um but really with the Silver Knights you kind of look around at the setup that they were able to uh, create at Orleans Arena and obviously the fun stuff with uh Harold <laughs> uh and you go like man like this would be really fun to have 5000 people kind of packed in here uh getting loud and you know kind of watching minor league hockey as you said and it can be you know a little bit goofy and kitschy and fun and that's kind of stuff that I mean, I definitely enjoy and I thought the hockey was actually, you know, pretty entertaining to watch. I thought that first game had a really good pace, really good energy. Uh, Obviously, Coach Manny Viveros mentioned at the end of the game that he didn't think uh, the defensive structure was necessarily where it needed to be. But as just a a neutral watching, I was fine with that. Um, And so that was definitely one of my takeaways from the first game as well is I think a lot of people would get. Uh, A kick out of it and a kick out of having kind of a a new team to follow in a new venue. And so, you know, as you said, hopefully, you know, next year or something. And obviously they're going to have their own arena built shortly for their uh, third season in the American Hockey League. But uh, hopefully people get to experience uh, Orleans Arena and all its new bells and whistles at at some point here before they uh, pack up and leave for arena number two. I mean, they got to bring, they have to have like a giant, like Trojan horse,
1: you know, or something going on or, you know, like instead of the castle. There's so, there's so many cool things that they can do with it that I can't wait to see because I know how creative they are and I know how many different things that they're willing to try out and, and especially with the theme so like you said, I think especially when they get their own arena and, and kind of it's it's their home and they're not dealing with, you know, a little bit of the weird sort of configuration of of Orleans Arena. It's obviously not the best for hockey. It's got, you know, sort of that open end to it uh, rather than, you know, seating always behind the, you know, the net and all that. So it, it's got a bit of a different feel in in that regard. And I think once they get – You know the Henderson Pavilion, probably more of a hockey environment. It'll feel different, but just to go to the hockey side of things too. And so I I will pick on one thing: they have to fix the numbers on the jerseys because I know my dad's going to go to games and he's going to not be able to read those numbers and be like, "What is going on?" That's they got to have an outline or you know like a border on those numbers, something, something to make them stand out a little bit more. But just in terms of the hockey, like like you mentioned. Uh, the The system sort of trickled down, a, at least in theory. And and what the Golden Knights sort of want to do is supposed to be what the Silver Knights, you know, are doing. And I think we clearly saw sort of you know an up tempo, you know, transition fast paced style of play that the the Silver Knights are are going to implement. Uh, I think that's Manny Viveros style. If you go back to like you know in juniors and and sort of his history as a coach. And they've got some talent. I mean, this was a team a couple of years ago that had a good mix of veterans and and younger players that made a Calder Cup run. I don't want to say that that we might have to cover a you know a Calder Cup playoff uh, series here, Ben. But you know, I don't know. It might it might be if uh, if Peyton Krebs sticking around. And I mean, that that's a whole other issue. But I mean, if they're going to get production the way that they've gotten throughout their lineup it's a it's a talented team it's i think something that that fans here you know are going to get excited about especially when they realize like these are these are basically i hate to use the phrase but like baby golden knights in a way
0: yeah we'll have to see i actually don't think the ahl has officially announced their postseason format this year so we'll have to see if there isn't if there even will be a uh, calder cup final to cover but uh hopefully obviously they get in all their games as well they have uh 38 more games still left on their schedule. Their next televised game is two weeks from now, February 24th. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. As I said earlier, I'm sure this is not uh, people's uh, you know most enjoyable listen that we've ever done, but obviously, we hopefully, we covered a lot of important information for you guys and giving you a sense of where things stand with the Golden Knights and the league as a whole. Uh, we'll see if The league and uh, its teams can figure some things out here in the coming weeks to make that less of a storyline. But right now, it's obviously just super, super prevalent. Uh, We want to thank our sponsor, One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, for helping us out. Uh, Make sure to check out all our written work once again at ReviewJournal.com. And of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. For Dave Shane, I'm Ben Goats. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855 1 Hour or visit onehourair.com. Always on time. Or
1: you don't pay
0: time. Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county.